this is Amber Philpott from WKYT, and you're listening to our new podcast, Uniquely Kentucky. I'm a Kentucky gal born and raised who loves all things about the bluegrass, and I hope you do too. One of the things that I think makes Kentucky so special are the people and the stories they have to share. You know, as a reporter for 15 years, it's been my life's work to tell good stories, learn about people, places, and things that make all of us Kentuckians pretty darn unique. Uniquely Kentucky aims to bring you some great conversation on a number of topics from books, music, food, and even health and fitness. Today, first up, she's allowing me to use her as a guinea pig, is a Kentucky native who I've known probably since our middle school days, uh, as actually middle school speech in Cynthiana. She's an accomplished author, mother to sweet three little ones, four. and four now. <laughs> I I'm sneak, behind. I wow. Sneaked, I sneaked one in there. She did. <laughs> and she now calls the Big Apple home. I want to welcome Alicia Whitaker-Pace. She is the author of The Queen of Kentucky, and she's in town for the Kentucky Book Festival. Alicia, welcome home Thank to the bluegrass. Yeah, you snuck one in on me. <laughs> I, I like totally got behind. You know, I actually met my roommate, uh, my, my roommate, gosh, we hadn't seen each other in a long time. I met her in the city when I was pregnant with my last child and, and I was about eight months pregnant. And when I stood up to hug her, she goes, you're pregnant again? I was like, oh, it's the fourth. I keep forgetting to tell people. And she's like, you know what? You're always pregnant. <laughs> she's like, I'm not even surprised. You're always pregnant. <laughs> Well, if you enjoy it and you you love being a mom. You know what? I'm good. There you go. I'm good. I enjoy it, but but I'm good. I've met my threshold. <laughs> Talk to me about being home in Kentucky because you live in the Big Apple, very fast place compared to being here. Right. Well, and actually, we did kind of um, suburban it up a little. We moved to Long Island. But it's still, it's funny because my kids are Yankees. They're New Yorkers. They're all born in Queens. And my kids, I brought my two oldest with me, which has really been nice and special I love staying at home with my kids. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'm very proud of that. That's my first job, and I try to do it to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. So I'm not taking that away because I, I love it. But it is nice for them to occasionally see mm -hmm. their mother do more than mother. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that every stay-at-home mom needs to have a side career, but they still have passions. Their kids should still see them do what they're passionate about beyond their children. We are all passionate <laughs> about our kids. Yeah. But we, have, we are more multifaceted women. And so it's nice that I could bring them home with me. And it's funny because we tell them in Long Island, you live in this small town in Long Island. And yet, now that they've been home in Cynthiana for about a day, my son today, we left my grandparents' house and went down to a restaurant called Leono's. And uh, we had gone to the high school so I could speak to some kids and then came. To, and my son, who's six, my son Rhett said, Mom, I feel like every time, by the time I get my seatbelt on, you say we're there. <laughs> <laughs> no traffic in Cynthiana, right? No, we just oh. we get everywhere by the time it's taken him to figure out his seatbelt. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. I'm always like, I thought you had it on. First of all, <laughs> I wouldn't have left. It's so funny that to see them experience mm. Kentucky. I have experienced it. I'm happy to be home. I feel good when I'm home. But it's cool to see it through their eyes. Mm. You know, my older son said, Wow, the first time I saw a cow was at the Queen Zoo. You know, and now wow. he sees them. Everywhere, yeah. right? It's really been good in just this 24 hours to see them experience it. And sure. they've been here before, but it's still so different than fast-paced New York City or, you know, even the outskirts of fast-paced New yeah. York City. You know, I've known you for a long time, and we competed in speech together. Yes. I mean, that's one of the things I love about being able to do this is because I can kind of talk about myself through my friends. Oh, of um, course. And you... you we're always a talent. I think when I first even found out that you were an anchor, I might have emailed you like, of course. 
This is your job. People, if you weren't sharing your gift, I would be like strangling you. (laughs) (laughs) You are very kind. You were always so talented. And I thought, even though you were younger than me, Mm -hmm. I remember that you could teach me a little. I think we might even did... We might have done an event like impromptu or something where I we had so. to write speeches. Yeah. Besides the broadcasting part, we wrote speeches. And I even seeing you with your podcast script here, that's how I do before I yeah. speak, you know, work with an outline, work mm-hmm. with just a little foundation. And, yeah. and I just, I, I've always thought you're a great talent. Well, you're, that's very sweet. And I appreciate it. And so what's really cool for me is to be sitting here when this first book came out and now you have three more. Um, it, that's really special. So first of all, talk to me. When I read The Queen of Kentucky, um, I, I knew exactly what you're talking about. There were so many things in there. And what I have to ask is when I read that story, this came out in 2012, right? Yes. It was published. Um, your main person in here, Ricky Joe. I saw a lot of Ricky Joe in um, some different people, maybe right. not necessarily one person, right. but I saw so many people. And I actually remember thinking, I feel like I could be in this book. Totally. Um, talk to me about, A, first of all, just the inspiration of getting this book out of your head and down on paper? Well, that's always the key. Every A lot of times I meet students, but also adults who say, I've always wanted to write a book. Tell me how to write a book. How, how do I do it? Or, and I'm, I say, you have to write it. You have to write it. That's the hardest part about writing a book because every person I meet that wants to write will tell me, I've written a chapter or two, or I have about three chapters, or I have an idea. The most often I hear is I hear and I have an idea. <laughs> And they say, how do I make it a book? And I say, you have to write it. It doesn't seem simple, Mm -hmm. but that is the step. That is the step that's the hardest to take, which is why, as I mentioned earlier, I always work from an outline. Sure. Because it's even like when I drove to you today, when I came to WKYT, I put it in Google, Mm -hmm. and Google Maps will give me three options. Mm -hmm. And I start along a path, and let's say I hit a wall, or I hit a I might need to detour, right? I can go to a different avenue. So writing an outline doesn't mean you're married to it, but it's, it has your beginning des- location mm-hmm. and your end destination and however you need to get there because a lot of writers get writer's block. We all do in the middle of a story, and then you give up. You're tempted to give up. You're tired. Mm-hmm. It's lost the fun mm-hmm. of the beginning. How do you finish the race? You know, you don't have to just stick and be married to your outline, but you need to re-outline. You need to find your detour to get you through. Well, talk to me about if people haven't read this book, and I know you have other books out, but this one to me is just kind of, of special. Course. So I'm yeah. going to focus this on this is one. My, I always say this is my love letter to yeah, home. Yeah, it is, and it is a love letter. And I think anyone, it doesn't matter if you grew up in Cynthiana like us, if you grew up in a small town, 100%. this is a young lady who's really caught between two worlds. I mean, she is somebody like me that grew up 13 miles out of town, only knows the country, right. and then comes to town and goes to school and really desperately wants to fit in with the other kids and that's just like that's so life that is so growing up this is what I tell kids even kids in New York enjoy this book now maybe they don't they find the rural part Mm -hmm. fascinating because they don't aren't accustomed to that right but this is called so here's the thing it's called commercial rural fiction it's not just rural fiction it's commercial which means it has a universal theme which means that anybody can relate to being the new kid in school or having a friend that was a new kid in school or being from a place and driving far to get someplace else, or just trying to fit in. Because even the kids, do you remember in high school, you'd have the outliers that they're in the fringe groups? <laughs> mm-hmm. But remember the word groups, like fringe groups. There's yeah, still a there's group still a group. Yeah. They still wanted to fit in there. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to find a little home and a yeah. little place to feel safe. 
And so that's why the book is, to me, universally appealing. Did you draw off of experiences, people? I mean, they're, you know, I mean, it, it is fiction, but, right. you know, I still think you can draw off of all of those experiences. You know, probably. It's, so, it's so funny because what you were saying earlier about seeing yourself in the book is that so many people think that they, a lot of people from Cynthiana look for themselves. <laughs> yeah. But it is fiction. I try to tell people. But also... The characters, yeah, of course I borrowed from people, but a lot of these characters in the book, Ricky Joe is maybe two or three people that I knew that mm-hmm. I put together, including myself. Yeah. You know, and I, the same thing for Wolf, the same thing for Luke. The, now, the memo and Peppa are really my memo. Yeah, your memo <laughs> and Peppa are pretty special, <laughs> I know, are, to you. Yeah. <laughs> so they're already, they, there wasn't much fiction happening there. <laughs> but in general, you know, I tell writers to look around, borrow from people. If you like this person's laugh, if you like that person's mm. hair, if you like that person's skin or religion or background, like, you know, borrow from your world. Because I think that any honest writing is what is the most compelling. And so draw from your experiences. That's that's what I always suggest to people, yeah. especially young writers. Do you still find that new audiences, I mean, 2012 hasn't been that long ago, but, right. um, but you're still introducing this book to new audiences, new young readers? Right. It's so funny because the, my books are for 12 and up, mm-hmm. and that's why I never push it because if I'm at the Southern Kentucky Book Festival or like tomorrow, the Kentucky Book Fair, mm-hmm. there will always be a kid who can buy the book with a sibling that wants to buy the book. And I always say, there's time. Yeah. You've got time. Or if the parent says, oh, can my 10-year-old read it? I say to the parent, here are the themes of the book. If I were you, I would read it first, mm-hmm. and then you decide for yourself. If not, come see me in two years or buy it or get it from your library. You know, there's just no rush, and I wouldn't want – I mean, these this is, these are basically clean teen. Yeah. They're, mm-hmm. they're definitely appropriate, but I just feel that, you know, everyone wants to grow up so fast, mm-hmm. and you've got time. But And as far as, like, keeping it current, I will say that as I have more kids, it was – hard to make more books you yeah. know it's, it's really hard to balance it all but it's uh I think that the book is still appealing I think that it's still it has a little life in it yeah <laughs> and it has even had the option for a movie right right yes and that has been an interesting process to yeah. behold something completely different whole right, nother definitely. world and they you know they've had the the production company has ha- gone through a lot of stages and lo- learning mm-hmm. moments of their own. I'm not really sure it's going to happen now. I'm yeah. not I'm not sure anymore, but there have been three screenplays written and I just don't think any of them are yet where they want them to be and it's important that they have a good script. It's important to me that they have mm-hmm. a good script. So at this point, who knows? But it's cool that it was option mm-hmm. and it's cool that it was valuable enough for someone to want to, you know, believe in it and turn it to screen. And maybe not the big screen, but, you know, it could be a great theater piece as well. Oh, for sure. I envision this being on stage at the Ross Opera House at home. Oh, I don't know. I'm just so I'm cool. just throwing that out there. I don't know. I used I don't, to work there. <laughs> I know. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, So talk to me. I have, I have a lot of friends, like you said, that they they want to write a book and they have an idea for the book. Um, and, and some of them have, have gotten there and they've gotten something down. Um. Talk to me about the highs and lows of writing because I know from what I do just reporting, I get a great idea, I get a great story, I go and do the interview and I'm really excited about it and then I sit down and then sometimes you lose that oomph to it. Right. And it just happens, you right. know, and sometimes you just have to pick it up. Sometimes it works itself out and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Well, it's interesting because for me, I'm always getting great ideas when I can't write them down. Mm-hmm. I get my best ideas in the shower or on a drive or just in, in getting my nails done when they're wet. Anytime that you cannot use your Of course, hands. that's life. That's, because yeah. that's when you're not trying so hard. Mm-hmm. And that's when you can dream. 
I don't think we give ourselves time to dream anymore. Mm-hmm. When you have your spare time, how many of you are on your phones now? Mm-hmm. Or how many are just allowing yourself to dream? When do, you, when do you allow yourself to shut everyone out of your mind and just let your mind kind of, I mean, at night, how many people get good ideas at night? Mm-hmm. Right before you're about to fall asleep, just right before you've succumbed. But how long were you on your phone in bed before you? Yeah. So it's hard. It can be hard. So what I do is use the voice command and be like, Siri, write down. <laughs> <laughs> write this down now. Or I'll, you know, just get up and write something down really quickly. And as far as writing down, you know, a lot of writers need to be inspired. I remember when I was younger, before kids, mm-hmm. I would be, hey, I'm not inspired right now. I can't force it. Mm-hmm. And I really couldn't. But now that my time is more pressed, mm-hmm. I sometimes power through. Because the beauty about powering through a chapter that you know is garbage is that the right. next day you can't do worse. And so the next day you'll read what you wrote and you'll either think that's not as bad as I thought mm-hmm. it was because I have fresh eyes or you'll think that's garbage but it gave me a better idea. Like sure. now I know where to go from there. So now I kind of do the power through yeah. stuff if I can. Sure. No, that's that's good advice. And I also think that's so smart to tell us that it's okay to dream. I think a lot of us, when we get in the adult world and we've been right. working for so long, you just think that that's not in your cards anymore, that you can't dream. And you right. really can. I yeah. mean, so that's good. I think all of us need to kind of be hit over the head with that sometimes. Right, but that's not even that. just for writing, too. No, it's I mean, not. It could be anything. Think about the moms on mm-hmm. Pinterest or the dads, you know, that are coming up with, I don't know, this Whatever they're doing. Yeah. What do dads do? Yeah. Whatever <laughs> what, dads do. Whatever boys, yeah. whatever you boys do. But it's just the idea that you're giving yourself time. Mm-hmm. Just even giving yourself time. Whether you're a parent or not, are you making time for yourself? Yeah. And that, that's and, and I think that for me, that's where reading comes. I, I remind myself that I love to read, right. and it's okay if you take 10 whole minutes, <laughs> and if that's all you've got, is to read something. I mean, yes. that's that's where my, I mean, I have to remind myself, it's okay. Like, I need to be doing a thousand other things, but okay. I want to read mm-hmm. a chapter, and it's okay. Um, I don't mean to leave out your other books. You do yeah, have sure. a series, yes. um, which, again, I love country music. It's a young, <laughs> young lady who's kind of found her way um, into that world, and sort of all the things that, that come with that. And that's a really interesting topic to kind of um, challenge because you, you like to think that maybe you thought you had been in the country music world and you knew something about it. Was that something that was just interesting to you or well, how did that storyline come about? You know, I wanted to just continue with the commercial rural fiction mm-hmm. and my publisher actually called me and said, what do you think about this? And it's kind of a Taylor Swift story in a way. I don't want to say it's, yeah. really, it's obviously not her, but it is just the idea of someone who was in a family band and is discovered, but not the whole band, just her. So how do you navigate that relationship? Mm-hmm. How do you how do you kind of justify the guilt that you feel by, you know, you're finally kind of successful and you've gotten your dream, but you're leaving the people you love behind who maybe helped you get there. It's a little bit for Bird to have to, I don't know, um, come to grips with on her own mm-hmm. and figure out for herself. And then the second book, she's a little more famous mm-hmm. in the third book. She is really come into her own as a star. And I think that's cool as opposed to the Queen of Kentucky um, where you just have your characters, then this series to let someone breathe a little bit and kind of evolve and grow is is really neat. I would think that's a pretty cool experience putting that down on paper. It was so interesting because after the Queen of Kentucky, I had this whole sequel idea in my head, but the publisher wanted it to be a standalone. Okay, great. It's a standalone mm-hmm. novel, but I couldn't wait to write a series. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, by the third book, I wanted to write a standalone because I was like, yeah. done with the characters. <laughs> I'm like, y'all have been in my head too long. You've taken too much space. Yeah. And so I found myself surprised by how I felt with that. It was interesting. Yeah. 
to have to continue the arc, but it was a beautiful challenge. It was a really mm. great challenge. I, I liked that there was a difference. Yeah. And now I'm actually writing, I'm actually writing a series, but it's, you know, now I have these boys. Yeah. One girl, but I have these boys who are voracious readers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to be, a, you know, non-politically correct and say boy, girl, boy mm-hmm. books and girl books, but I do think that, you know, a lot of times a certain gender is drawn to certain mm-hmm. things. I think all kids would like all of my books. But my boys are interested in reading, and I wanted to write something for them. Okay. So it hasn't been sold, but I do have an idea, and it's uh, an early chapter book series, and I'm meeting with an illustrator. We've done so much work together, and he's great. His name is Gene DeSico, and we're working together on this series called The Scoundrels, and it's uh, about a, um, a skunk and a possum that is always up to no good. I love it. And it's great. So that series is been cool so far because the three that I've written, the characters are on a new mission every time. Mm-hmm. So with Wildflower, I loved writing it and living with those characters, but it was the same characters on the same mission for mm-hmm. three books. And this is shorter, and they're on different missions. So it's another new challenge, and it's another new thing to write. That's awesome. I love I love that you're I love that you're um, a, sort of a young adult and now children's writer because I think that again reading is just something that I think if you are given that gift, and I think it's a gift, if you have parents that sort of push that in the home, not just what you learned in school, it is just such an amazing gift to have. I mean, my my mom and dad are huge readers to this day, and so now I have that, and I just think that's awesome that you're giving kids that gift early on to kind of get lost in a book. The interesting thing about that is that um, your literacy their, your literacy scores or rate by the time of fourth grade can help determine whether or not you will be in prison wow. as an adult. So it's really, really important mm-hmm. to read. And it's not just that. They say that if you're reading 20 minutes a night at home as a child, that you will do like 90% better mm-hmm. on your standardized test scores. Mm-hmm. So if you can just read Sandra Boyton or Dr. Seuss for the 100th time to yes. your kid, it's so important. Even though you have it memorized, just yeah. read it again. <laughs> that Alicia because I do a lot of school visits and that's one of the key things I talk about my job but I talk so much about things like reading and I tell the kids you know like look I'm not sure the science I'm telling you but I know that it can make your brain faster stronger bigger oh, 100%. later on when you're being asked to read a lot more so I always encourage I just think it's huge um, you talked about this for adults and, and allowing us ourselves to dream but how do you what do you say to the young writers out there people that were like you that are in their hometown that got this dream they're probably at night in their bedroom writing right. in a journal right. to foster that and keep it going well the the one thing i tell every student i meet is where you are from does not determine where you are going mm-hmm. and i find that to be really important and i don't mean that really in a geographical sense sure i kind of mean maybe in your circumstances or in your life mm-hmm. or what you're born into. Mm -hmm. I just feel like where you're from does not determine where you're going. And it's really, you can take it in your own hands. And these young writers have so many more resources than we did. They can already upload their stories into community forums. And if they're open for feedback and criticism at this young age, that would be such a help for them as real life gives them criticism and feedback. But I, I always tell them that dream big, you know, dream big. It's, it sounds silly, but I, I always say that just, And I also tell them to write with honesty because I kind of fell into a trap as a young adult where I felt like I needed to write something important. Yes. (laughs) And I had needed to write something with angst and that I was going through deep things. Mm -hmm. And I was not (laughs) at all. 
now that I can look back on that and I think, gosh, you know, every time I was successful mm. as a writer, every time I won a prize, every time I won a scholarship, every time I went to uh, the Governor's School of the Arts, for mm. instance, or, or did anything like that. Or the soil conservation there essay you that you won. <laughs> so anytime I've had success, a lot of times mm. it was with things that were lighthearted or had some humor. Even the Queen of Kentucky gets very dark in parts, mm -hmm. but... You but know, it's laugh-out-loud funny in parts, too. And that's what, you know, actually Joanna Philbin was someone who blurbed the book, and she said, this book will make you laugh and cry sometimes on the same page. Mm -hmm. I think that's important as a writer, yeah. especially a young writer who feels that they need to be beyond, they need to be more or extra. They don't. They just need to be themselves. And I tell the kids today, like, what you're experiencing is a valuable story to someone else. There's and no one else can tell. I always say no one else can tell your story but you. Mm. You are uniquely designed to tell your story, and that's what makes it interesting and compelling. Mm. So that's what I try to tell young sure, kids. Sure, that's and that's great I advice. I tell them that you know your age does not determine your potential. Mm. No. So do it now. Don't wait till you're older. And keep doing it. Don't don't. I stop wish I had done yet. this much younger. Yeah. I don't know why I waited so long. I just felt like yeah. I wasn't maybe writing big enough. Mm. I think I really fell into that trap that I wasn't writing big enough. And, and what's ironic is is that the story that you told in your first book is really important. I mean, you say, I want you to write something very important and very, but it is. It has these messages in it that right. really apply to a lot of different people that, frankly, people just need to hear. So you then know? that's what happens to many um, authors, young writers. This is what happens. Regular, not young writers, any writer. What happens is that we become our own editors. Mm. And your editor can really, your inner editor can really make your book never say, never sing, and you can really just stop yourself. So if you can just turn off your inner editor, mm. and then can, if you can also be open to an outside editor, sure. maybe a trusted reader, maybe a teacher, mm -hmm. maybe a parent, and you can take their notes and their feedback, if you can do that, you'll be a really successful writer. That's great. Get out of your own way. Yeah, there you go. Get out of your own way. What does Alicia have on her... Uh, night side table that she's reading oh my goodness do you, you even know, have time to read I, I usually, that's sad I, but it's really it's really been actually a goal of mine to start reading again mm -hmm. because I was such a reader I would walk down the hallways in middle school and just bounce off of people like a pinball because <laughs> I always mm -hmm. have my nose in a book and now it's the one thing I feel like I've sacrificed mm -hmm. as a parent that I re that I kind of regret yeah. the month like I never am reading so to this you know new year I had tried to make sure that I made reading a little more happen more often. I've only read two or three books. Um, I read The Hate You Give, okay. which I thought was mm -hmm. really important and well done. And I am reading Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children right now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I wish I, I had read um, To All the Boys I Loved Before, but I need to try to make that happen more. Mm. I also read a lot of Sandra Boynton, Dr. Seuss, <laughs> you know, Jan Thomas. You have kids at home. Lama Lama. Yeah. yeah, every, I, I just, I am reading a lot, but not always for myself. And I feel like I'll be, I'm a better writer when I'm a better reader. So I need to make that happen more. Yeah. Um, as we get ready to close up, I know you have spent a whirlwind day back home <laughs> and, and you were in Cynthia and I saw on social media that you're visiting, um, you know, one girlfriend that's now, you know, a teacher, many right. of them probably, you were at home on the radio. Um, what's that like being able to, because I have such an overwhelming sense of pride being able to go home and, and it, 
it doesn't matter that who I am. It's just that I get to go home and I get to have some sort of platform of to be able to speak. And that just means so much to me. I, I really, I still get a little weepy about it because it's just that important that um, home means that much to me. For sure. Oh, for sure. You know, my older son Knox asked me this morning, you're right, I had a whirlwind day. I had a radio per, you know, interview, then I went to the school and spoke to the children. Then I did a paper, you know, newspaper mm-hmm. interview, and now I'm here with you. And my children are right along with the ride. And my six-year-old hasn't really noticed, but my eight-year-old said, Mom, are you famous? <laughs> are you a celebrity? I love it. And I said, not really. Maybe a local, maybe a local mm-hmm. celebrity or a celebrity in my own mind. But he said, but people who you don't know know you. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, yeah. And he said, wow, my mom's a celebrity. <laughs> And it's funny because I obviously don't view myself that way. And it's very cool, though, to think that my community supports me, mm-hmm. that my community encourages me. I mean, my community really made me, I mm-hmm. feel like, in so many ways. And it is very awesome for me to get to share that with my kids. But, you know, also, when I come back home, it's a labor of love. Sure. I decrease my prices. I don't make money. I yeah. either break even or I lose money to my husband's chagrin. But <laughs> it's important to me to reach a young Alicia Whitaker mm-hmm. that is sitting in some rural classroom somewhere in Kentucky that feels like she will never be heard. Mm-hmm. That, it, you know, it's important to me to try to reach those those kids. And so that's why I come home. And every single time I do, you mm-hmm. and people from Cynthiana make it me feel like I don't know, like a big hug. Yeah. Like, like they're happy to see me and that they're happy for where I've gotten. Mm-hmm. No one begrudges me my success. No one, I don't know, I guess that's a great way to put it. No one begrudges my success. Instead, they just applaud it yeah. and they embrace it. And I feel like they take it as their own, which is so beautiful. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, when I when I first saw this book, it was. It was like a very just, like my heart kind of grew because you're just so proud. You want to see other people. 100%. And I know that's not always the case in the world. Sometimes people love to cut other people down and they like to, when you're failing. But I, I just genuinely, I think it's amazing. And I think if you only reach one young gal or guy back at home that thinks they can do it, then you have done your job coming back so, home for yeah. sure. Um, quickly, books or tablets? I think I know the answer. Books. Reading. <laughs> and uh, bookstores or online retailers? Bookstores. Yes, I you know, know you're very passionate about you that. You have to shop local. It's so funny how I hear it all the time from small town people say, oh, another small town store you know, broke down or shut down or Oh, our downtown isn't what it used to be. And I say, well, where'd you get, you know, your last book? Oh, Amazon. Or where'd you get your last pair of shoes? Oh, Amazon. Where'd you get the, you know, you are supporting Amazon's warehouse or Amazon, like you're supporting towns in other states. Mm. But if you shop local, and I know it's difficult, I do. But if you shop local, your money gives someone a job in your community. You're paying their salary. Mm. And then your city gets your taxes which helps to pave your roads and fix your potholes. And people don't realize that you just, you know, you kind of hurt yourself by taking the easy way out and a little click. I'm not saying I never order online, but I am saying I rarely order online. I hear hear you. Last thing on this before we let you go on, probably another whirlwind of events you've got going on. This is um, a podcast that we, we named Uniquely Kentucky, and I want every guest to tell me, you know, something that they think is a, is unique about this place that we call home, even those of you who, who no longer reside here, but right. it is still home. You know, two things popped to my 
mind when you said that. I would say the first thing I see every time I think of Kentucky or see Kentucky are the rolling hills. Mm -hmm. I was driving in from the airport to Cynthiana and on Highway 36, they just built that road along the ridges. Mm -hmm. And I was explaining to my sons, those aren't mountains, but they are kind of like, like they're, well, they're hills. There are they mountains. They look like mini yeah. mountains. Mm -hmm. But I love the rolling hills. It's almost like an ocean of green or in the, the best time to be in Kentucky is in October when mm -hmm. everything is changing and so beautiful and so vibrant. There's been times I've been driving at home and I'm like, <gasps> just Hmm. Like by the own beauty, just by the beauty of our state. It's sometimes I'll be driving to a school visit and you just, it takes your breath away. Mm -hmm. It's much like how sometimes I'm in the city and you get so busy with your head down, you're b banging into tourists and you're <laughs> trying to get away from dogs peeing in the curb. And you just, <laughs> crabs, calves there, your hope aren't going to kill you. And it's a crazy, chaotic mess. And then you look up and you see the Freedom Tower mm. or you see the Empire State Building mm -hmm. and you say, <gasps> You forget, even after 14 years being there, you forget how majestic it is. Right. That's how Kentucky does for me. When I see like a bloom of color on the rolling hills in the countryside, it's or it's so awesome. I always try to stop at some local yokel like cafe <laughs> if I'm driving in the sticks and go it. in and get a three dollar ribeye. <laughs> there you go. So that's one thing. And the other thing I will say that I have found interesting on this particular trip is that my sons are starting to notice accents, mm. and so they'll say, you know. Wow, did you hear Mamma say wash instead of wash? And then, or what? Peppa keeps saying iron. And I don't know what it is. I'm like, it's iron. <laughs> and so it's interesting that they are starting to pick yeah. up on accents. And then, you know, my younger son, Rhett, then said, um, I wish they could come to our, our tournaments. And I said, tournaments? <laughs> Not <laughs> did tournaments. You hear, did you hear that accent? So he, yeah. you know, they're starting to hear the regional dialects for themselves. Mm. And they're kind of starting to hear, you know, sure. how things are from place to place. And what makes us us in different, exactly. yeah. That's exactly. great. So it's, it's really awesome. Well, I want to thank Alicia Whitaker-Pace for joining us here on our first edition of Uniquely Kentucky. She is certainly part of what makes Kentucky unique. To find her books, just go to aliciawhitaker.com or you can browse your local bookstore. Just look her up. <laughs> Have a good one and join us next time for another great conversation. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.